Welcome to a conversation powered by Connected Learning, where we chat with some of today's leading minds about new learning approaches designed for the demands and opportunities of the digital age. Connected Learning values the new ways many young people today access information, gain expertise, and learn alongside peers and mentors using the internet, social networks, and digital technology. We're excited you're here to join the conversation as we seek to make learning relevant. Hi, uh, my name is Lissa Soep, and I am delighted to be in conversation with uh, Mimi Ito, one of the architects of the concept of connected learning. So um, let's jump in, and I'll first just say about myself that I am um, research director and senior producer at Youth Radio in Oakland and the founder of our Innovation Lab, which is a partnership with MIT Media Lab and also a member of the Youth and Participatory Politics research network that is part of the Digital Media and Learning Initiative. And Mimi and I have worked together for some time. Uh, so Mimi, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, Alyssa. Well, it's great to be here with you. Uh, uh, it's really been fabulous having you as a partner in the work. And I'm happy to be here to talk about connected learning. Uh, my role in connected learning, I have several hats. Uh, one is that I'm faculty at uh, the University of California, Irvine, where I help lead uh, the Digital Media and Learning Hub, which is based at the Humanities Research Institute. And that is really a networking hub where we sponsor events and we build online uh, resources and community opportunities around digital media and learning and more recently around connected learning. Uh, and I also am chair of the MacArthur Foundation funded research network on connected learning where uh, we are running a lot of research projects, uh, uh, both qualitative and quantitative in nature, really working through the model of connected learning. And I've also had uh, the great uh, privilege of helping uh, launch the Connected Learning Alliance as uh, part of the leadership team. And maybe we uh, do you want to uh, actually we'll come back to the connected learn learn uh, connected learning alliance at the end. Let's more go back to the beginning, early stages in the development of this concept of connected learning. You know, many of us who've been following the work over the years were on the scene as that term connected learning started to make its way into academic and public and practitioner discourse. Um, and I think it evolved out of some earlier work that you and your colleagues have been a part of. And I didn't know if you could remember, you know, a moment, some kind of pivotal aha experience where, where the framework of connected learning really consolidated and came together for you. Yeah, there were definitely uh, many moments along the way. It's been quite a journey. I've been working with uh, the Digital Media and Learning Initiative for about a decade now. And it really started with uh, ethnographic research that MacArthur funded uh, me and Peter Lyman and Michael Carter to start, which was really a broad fact-finding mission uh, about what kids were doing with digital media and learning, primarily in their social and recreational lives, because that was where most of the usage was happening, particularly when we were starting our study. And along the way, we were joined by uh, many uh, researchers, uh, practitioners, designers who were experimenting, implementing, developing new ways of looking at the opportunities around digital media and, and learning. And uh, a few years ago, we realized that we needed to start developing a shared vocabulary, shared principles, frameworks, 
uh, orienting language that really brought our uh, various approaches across research and design and practice together. And we had a bit of a working group, a set of meetings that were oriented towards that goal. And I have this distinct recollection of sitting around a room in a meeting room in Boston and talking about how, what do we call this? And we had been using many words uh, at that time, including things like uh, participatory learning, uh, interest-driven learning, and so on. And I think it was actually Linda Birch from Common Sense Media who said, we really like the term connected because it uh, is about uh, the relationships, the social relationships, but it also signals what the technology can do to help facilitate learning that social and participatory nature. And that term really stuck with everybody. After that, we've done a ton of work in refining uh, the principles, the model, the case studies. Uh, but I think arriving at that word that we could all rally behind was a really important step in the process. Hmm. Yeah, I hear what you're saying in terms of connected, making sense when you think of the relationships among young people and the technology facilitating um, that dynamic. So uh, obviously connected learning is building on a legacy of work both you know within the last few years that uh, the members of the digital media and learning community have pioneered but also going back further and so i was curious if you could talk about what you see that's really new about connected learning you know i know for example the idea that centering young people's interests and organizing activities around relevant pursuits is those are fairly well established approaches within education so tell me what um, is different and new about how connected learning brings some of these notions together? I think that's such an important question because I think that there's often a lot of competing visions and understandings of what it means to bring technology to educational practice. And when we talk about connected learning, we like to be very, very clear that from an educational philosophy and pedagogy and learning sciences perspective, we are not talking about something new. We talk about connected learning as trying to achieve the longstanding aims of progressive education with new tools. Uh, so for us, uh, it's not about a new uh, approach to learning as much as a new approach uh, based on new tools for making the kind of learning that we've known for quite a long time to be important, valuable, meaningful, and relevant to young people and making it accessible to more young people. Progressive education has been with us for a long time, but it's only um, certain kids and certain kinds of schools and learning environments that have had access to it. And we are seeing, in fact, a growing equity gap uh, in terms of access to educational experiences and opportunities that are uh, more on the progressive side, enrichment learning, interest-driven learning, learning that's really tailored to a particular uh, child's interests, uh, connecting their interests to opportunities, that this uh, tends to be a privilege of children who are growing up in households that either have the resources to support uh, those forms of learning or um, are in particular kinds of school environments. And we believe that given uh, the opportunities of social media, the kinds of online communities of expertise that we're seeing really mobilize 
uh, through digital media, the interactive technologies of things like video games uh, and personalized learning systems, as well as uh, the accessibility of tools for media make making and other forms of production that suddenly we're being offered a very rich opportunity space for young people to be able to engage in socially connected, uh, interest-driven and um, production-oriented learning. And we believe that it's really a ripe time to make uh, those very long-standing educational approaches more broadly available. Got it. it. You know, you talked about what you see as this opportunity space that um, is represented by digital tools, forms of social connectivity that are enabled today um, by technology and the practices that come along with it. Now, there are a lot of people who would take a look at those same tools and activities and kind of collapse them under a, a, a framework of screen time, right? So you see it as a rich opportunity space. A lot of parents dismiss it as screen time um, that they need to regulate and limit in order for, for kids to get access to the kinds of learning experiences that many parents would associate as happening offline. So maybe you can help me think about how connected learning as a framework might re, uh, reposition how we think about this notion of screen time. I think that's a really valuable window into some of the challenges of working with new technology and the opportunity space that it represents. And I think it also points to the fact that it's really important not to be looking at the technology, but looking at the social practices and the context, how that technology is actually being used in really specific ways. Uh, so this goes back a bit to your earlier question, Lisa, but part of my learning curve too as a researcher who studied young people and media use was that I would often see these amazing things that kids were doing online or with new technology, whether it's mobilizing causes on Facebook or doing uh, incredible digital media production and getting uh, hundreds and thousands of viewers and so on. And so it was clear that there was this opportunity space that was enabling youth voice and agency and visibility and learning and connection in ways that were previously not possible. But at a certain point in my research, I realized that it was only a particular uh, minority of kids who were technologically privileged or highly resourceful and motivated who were taking to these uh, opportunities. And mm -hmm. that was what led me from a model of say interest-driven learning or geek learning to saying, oh, we have to do more uh, to uh, bring more kids into this opportunity space. And connected learning was that evolution to saying, look, there's this opportunity, but most kids are actually using the technology to uh, you know, hang out with their friends and you know, get distracted from school and do things that are valuable from a kid-centered perspective, but are ne not necessarily connected to things like academic achievement, career opportunity, civic engagement, the thing as teachers and educators we might care a lot about. So when right. you look at the screen time framework, it's really looking from the point of view of the other side of the mirror from where I used to be and saying, oh, well, all kids are doing with technology is wasting time, hanging out with their friends, not doing their homework, and so on. And so the technology is only used in this way um, and is automatically a distraction from learning, which is 
just the other side of the mirror from what I was looking at, which was seeing it as this incredible opportunity space for kids to do activated learning. And I think the reality, like um, I think William Gibson famously said, is the future is here, it's just unevenly distributed, uh, mm -hmm. is that we really have to realize that the uses of the technology are only as good as the settings and ways in which they're used. And particularly when we're dealing with a very malleable technology like a computer, those uh, same tools, even the same online sites, whether it's Facebook or Tumblr or Twitter, uh, can be used in ways that promote intergenerational connection, that open doors to opportunity, and so on, uh, as much as they can be a way of disconnecting from those sorts of things that as parents and educators we might care about. Uh, when we were doing our research with mobile phones, we found that young people who were highly connected to their parents uh, saw texting and mobile phone use as a way to deepen their connections to their parents. And the kids who had less connected relationships to their parents saw it as a way of disconnecting from the life of the family. So again, yeah. it's about that context that matters and simply regulating time uh, is not gonna get you there. So connected learning, I mean, that example that you just described helps to make uh, this idea concrete. Um, I think that's one of um, the moves we need to make in terms of introducing this notion of connected learning to wider audiences of interested parties is, is really to have some rich examples. So I don't know if there is a time over the course of this research that you were just kind of knocked um, off your rocker, whatever the expression is, when you were like, this is it, talking about this all this time, and here's an experience that kind of brings all the elements together before my eyes. And uh, if, if you could share that with us. Yeah, so I will share two examples. One that comes from the youth facing work I do, which is, you know, spending time with kids and on the internet, what they're doing with games and so on. And the other is more uh, in the collaborations I've had with educational practitioners who care deeply about this work. Uh, so on the kid side, uh, on the side of the young people, uh, you know, the the examples that have really motivated our work is really when we see a young person who's deeply immersed in their interest and is able to connect that interest to an opportunity that matters for their adult uh, futures. And one example that I really like has come out of the research that uh, one of our team members, Crystal Martin, has been pursuing around uh, fans around professional wrestling. And uh, she had interviewed a young person who, um, is you know a very avid fan and participated in a fan wrestling board, which is a place where fans get together and write stories about wrestlers together. Uh, and she developed an interest in writing uh, because of her immersion in this fandom. And uh, over time, she really developed a strong connection to the content in the community, but also developed strong skills as a writer. And all of that would have stayed within that sphere of the youth-centered world and the entertainment world and the online community. But she happened to have a relationship with a teacher at school who she was um, able to confide in about this interest. And the teacher encouraged her to start writing for the school newspaper, uh, which she did until she graduated. And eventually she mentored uh, her into uh, pursuing a college and career track that centered on technical writing. Uh, so she was able to translate 
the skills she was developing in her interest-driven world to opportunity in the school and career context. Uh, so that was a really great example. It's what we call a positive deviant within our data corpus of mm -hmm. a young person who was able to connect all of those spheres of connected learning. Um, now, on the practitioner side, I think the effort has been to take models like this and really intentionally design environments that enable educators to do what uh, this young woman's teacher did in a more ad hoc way. And I think my favorite example of that is the U Media Learning Lab in the Chicago Public Library, where they opened up a big space uh, for teen media production. Uh, but the interesting thing about it is not only that did they provide a safe space for kids to hang out and engage with uh, you know, cutting edge tools for digital media production, but they also populated that space with caring adults, mentors who were experts in the area of specialty, but also uh, were teen librarians who were really there just to support the young people. And we find so many rich examples coming out of the Umedia space of adults being able to make exactly those kinds of connections that we saw uh, in the youth-facing work in these positive deviant models like the one I just described. So let's say that I'm an educator uh, and um, I'm, I'm, you've sold me on this idea and I, I want to take the first step towards uh, you know, um, making this happen in a learning environment. What are some of the most important first or second steps that uh, somebody can do, whether they're working in a classroom or in a non-school environment or um, in a dispersed peer network to kind of shift that dynamic towards connected learning? Yeah, I think we are definitely in the process of working out examples and design principles for making this approach to learning really actionable and accessible to educators in a wide range of settings. Uh, one of the challenges is that connected learning isn't a silver bullet. There isn't one technique or online site or tool that we can point people to because the whole point is reaching young people where they are in their interests in ways that are suited to the particular environment. So the most important overriding principle is to really be looking for those connections between young people's interests, the things that they are immersed in in their out of school lives and the in school world. Now that's very abstract, but it can be as simple as uh, something that the National Writing Project, for example, one of our partners has been advocating for, is to let young people write about things that they are interested in or things that happen in their real lives. Uh, it seems like a fairly simple and obvious shift, but uh, educators have frequently commented on how the quality of writing improves dramatically if young people are able to write about areas of interest. So that's a pretty simple way of embodying that principle of meeting young people where they are. I think there's other pieces that perhaps take a little bit more uh, tweaking to uh, make fit into learning environments, but that a lot of our partners have embra been embracing is really to uh, create environments which allow for uh, production uh, and collaborative production and also sharing that work to a broader audience. So it not being just about uh, submitting it to the teacher for a grade, uh, but really uh, using resources like uh, podcasts or blogs or whatever uh, we have as far as distribution on the internet to allow young people to gain an audience, even if it's just a small audience, having an authentic audience uh, for the work is incredibly important. 
Uh, and then the final piece that we've been really looking at, which is really the links from out of school to in school learning, is to find ways uh, for educators who are maybe working in the informal learning space uh, to make those enrichment or interest driven or more specialized learning activities that kids pursue in museums, libraries, clubs, you know, summer programs, and make them visible in the school setting so that there are connections between those different spheres of learning and connections to the in-home uh, in environment so that parents can understand what kids are doing. And this is where things like uh, badges, uh, online sites uh, for portfolios and things like that can really play a role. And is, what do you see as the hardest thing about this work? Where do you, where do you struggle the most? I think the hardest thing is uh, the fact that our institutional structures and accountabilities are really not geared uh, towards this model of learning and that it takes time to change them. Uh, assessments and testing are a big part of it, but also, uh, you know, things like uh, the way the school day is structured, uh, the lack of uh, connections between resources in the community and the school and the difficulty of, you know, bringing in, say, a local expert or volunteer who could help support uh, those more specialized and enriched learning experience in the school, there's a lot of policy and legal barriers to making those kinds of things happen. So those are challenges. Um, you know, another example is just the concerns about online safety uh, that uh, often prevent schools from or libraries from connecting young people uh, to online communities that are social in nature. So I think those policy barriers uh, are really, really challenging and really work against uh, for example, even educators who really want to embrace progressive or connected learning to, to be able to take advantage of uh, the opportunities that the online world has to offer. Uh, I think that the other big challenge is, again, because this is really about a model of learning that spans uh, different environments, young people's peer culture and their social learning, their home environments, their uh, out-of-school learning, their in-school learning, that it really requires uh, building of an alliance that cuts across these different sectors, uh, sectors that aren't always used to working harmoniously together. So if you think about the alliance of partners that we work with, for example, they cut across the for-profit sectors of technology and entertainment. Uh, we do work that is very parent and home-facing. Uh, we do work in informal educational institutions, whether that's libraries or museums or maker spaces. And we also have many partners who are in the in-school space. And building an alliance across such a heterogeneous network of stakeholders is a really uh, important uh, but difficult challenge. And that's part of what's happening with the launch of the Connected Learning Alliance, right? So we just have one or two minutes left and maybe you can close by saying what you're most excited about with this, this new alliance getting off the ground. Yeah, I'm so excited to see uh, just uh, incredible outpouring of support and interest around the model of connected learning and the range and diversity of organizations and individuals that have really resonated with the approach and the agenda for uh, 
supporting learning that is really embodied in the principles of connected learning. And it really represents a maturity of the work as going from one that's really uh, ideals and idea driven and uh, vision oriented to one that is really about uh, doing that hard work of bringing connected learning into the real lives of real uh, young people, uh, educators, parents uh, in all walks of life. And it's challenging work, but I think this is what all of us uh, wanna do uh, in order to make the vision a reality. Well, thanks, Mimi. I look forward to seeing how that reality unfolds and um, and you know to be continue the big message out of all of this this is in some ways the culmination of a tremendous amount of work and in other ways the beginning so here we are thank you for taking the time to to share some of the background and and where you hope this work is headed thanks so much Lisa. it was great talking to you Thanks for joining us here at the Connected Learning Alliance. If you missed any of this conversation or want to listen to more discussions, check out our website at clalliance.org or subscribe to our podcast channel on iTunes. See you back here for more talks with change makers and thought leaders who are building the next generation of learning.